I watch a lot of Premier League football. It's the burden I bear to be an FPL podcast co-host. For my entire life, however, I've never watched sports just to watch. I watch to learn. I want to know players, tactics, in-game changes, and so on. Many times I have to actually remind myself to just sit back and watch and enjoy the game that's on. Our podcast's mission has always been to help guide in this growing love for world football, and especially the best league in the world, the Premier League, into the average American sports fan's circle of interest. We do what we can, but we're just us. The organization that should be driving this mission forward more than any other is the Premier League itself. And yet, every match week, I find missed opportunities. As I understand it, the television networks that pay for the right to broadcast Premier League matches have two general options. Have their own announcers call a match, or tap into the world feed and let the world feed announcers call the match on your station. I recognize that there are further, more nuanced options, but I think this suffices for our conversation. Sadly, whether it's the NBC announcers that we hear in the United States or the world feed announcers, the color commentary is sorely lacking, and it's stifling the growth of the league in the U.S. Let me explain. I've never played football before, but those who have tell me that it's filled with strategy and tactics. You can see former players' eyes light up when they talk about it. If that's true, then why don't the vast majority of color commentators talk about that when they are broadcasting a match? How often do you get tactics and strategy from those guys when you watch? Pay attention to it during the next match you watch. Pay attention to how much the color commentator says that is teaching you tactics and strategy versus just repeating what the play-by-play announcer said during the instant replays. Sometimes, these color commentators stay silent for so long that I envision the play-by-play announcer or a producer poking them awake as an instant replay is about to unfold. It's so frustrating. And in Premier League football these days, the need for strong color commentary is greatest when it comes to the laws of the game. I said this last season when VAR stumbled to a difficult start, and it's still true today. In game week three of this current season, you know the one, the game week of handballs, how many of those calls were discussed in the context of the laws of the game and the criteria that referees have to use for handballs? Hmm? How many? No. What we got instead was the commentator's opinions. Statements like, I don't think that's a handball, and that's not handball to me. I don't give a f*** what it is to you, Mr. World Feed Announcer. What is it supposed to be according to the laws of the game? Teach me something. Because think about it. If I'm a casual American fan tuning into the Premier League for the first time during game week three, and I'm getting these opinions from color commentators on all these handballs, Joel Ward, Eric Dyer, and the like, I'm confused, and I'm hearing how terrible this is. What a great promotion for the Premier League, huh? It was another missed opportunity. We could have been taught why these handballs were being called, and how the law of the game works, and why the referees were making these calls. But no, probably without realizing it, these terrible color commentators were potentially driving fans away from the game. Well, I'm going to do something about it. If you follow us on Twitter, you know that we have strong opinions, but we generally try to be positive in our approach. Plus, we don't want to present problems without also providing solutions. We want to grow the fan base of this amazing league in our own country. So to address this glaring need, I'm going to do something that most Premier League fans won't do. I'm going to the FA's website, and I'm going to read the IFAB laws of the game for myself.
and as I read, I'm going to monologue about it, and I hope you'll join me for the ride. My goal will be to gain an understanding so that I can speak from a position of knowledge for our podcast. I pride myself, because again, I don't watch to watch, I watch to learn, on my ability to judge what a call will be. That's why I said after game week three that I could support every handball decision that was made that week. Now, I agree that the law also requires better interpretation, and it seems to me like that is already happening. But I don't want to just assume that my instincts are right. That's not a strong foundation, and it's a little pompous anyway. I hope to learn from the source. And no matter how boring or dry it gets, I will do my best to keep it fun and lively for you. Ready? Good. There's no better time to start than the present. Law 1, The Field of Play. Quote, The field of play must be a wholly natural or, if competition rules permit, a wholly artificial playing surface except where competition rules permit an integrated combination of artificial and natural materials. End quote. Oh boy. We're off to a great start. I believe the first paragraph just said that you can basically play on any surface and found the most complicated way to do it. Awesome. I'll bet those female players who played in Canada's World Cup a few years ago wish that the allowance for artificial turf was not in this law. Let's hope we don't see that again. Quote, The color of artificial surfaces must be green. End quote. Wait, really? It's that simple? Does the NCAA know about this? In America, we are subjected to college football games in Boise, Idaho, played on a blue turf. Eastern Washington, I think, still plays on a red turf. It's weird. And all of it could just go away if the NCAA just said, quote, the color of artificial surfaces must be green, end quote. I didn't need another reason to hate the NCAA, but I just found it in the second paragraph of the first law of IFAB's laws of the game. Uh-oh. I just got to the section called field markings, and the ambiguity makes me nervous. Is this entire exercise just going to frustrate me more? Quote, The field of play must be rectangular and marked with continuous lines which must not be dangerous. End quote. Huh? Come again? What constitutes dangerous? I imagine it means to avoid slippery substances or some such thing, but now I'm picturing barbed wire laid on the ground. And by the way, is MLS held to this same standard? Because I'm pretty sure that Men in Blazers has established that New York City FC has been playing on a rhombus. You know, I always thought that the different terminology in English football was just a cultural difference. Maybe I've been wrong this whole time. Quote, The two longer boundary lines are touch lines. The two shorter lines are goal lines. End quote. The terms center mark and halfway line are also given. For all of the real-life Ted Lassos out there, these terms are in the rules. Wait, check that. Laws. So you have to get them right. The width of the lines is even defined here. 12 centimeters. This is very specific. I like it. Quote, A player who makes unauthorized marks on the field of play must be cautioned for unsporting behavior. End quote. Is this some kind of rule against player graffiti on the pitch? I don't know if I've ever seen this, but now I kind of want to. But also, I complained last year that I feel anxiety whenever I see the pitch torn up during play. And I feel anger when someone scores, runs, and then slides on his knees because he inevitably tears up the pitch behind him when he does it. Can that count towards this law? No taking off shirts and no tearing up the pitch after you score a goal or else it's a yellow card. 
Let's make this happen. I remember the first time I heard an announcer talk about how a club's pitch, it might have been Spurs, was narrower than usual. It seemed crazy, but it's not unheard of. Baseball does it, and teams try to use it to gain a greater home field advantage. But what's in the laws is crazy. The difference between the minimum and maximum length of the touchline is 30 yards. 30 yards! And not only that, the difference in the goal line lengths is 50 yards. How is this possible? The differences are a little more reasonable for international matches, but still, wow, I had no idea it could be that drastic. Oh, and even though there's a large difference in the requirements, it's still seen as important to specify that, quote, measurements are from the outside of the lines as the lines are part of the area they enclose, end quote. You want to get technical about that part? Okay. Flag posts are not just cool add-on features. They are, quote, compulsory, end quote. Pretty sure that means required. Also required is that they are five feet high and that they have a non-pointed top. I'm certain there's a story here. I'd love to know what it is. The technical area is also a technical term. I figured it was lazy shorthand for terrible world feed announcers. I stand corrected. One of the technical area requirements is that occupants, quote, must behave in a responsible manner, end quote. We've definitely seen this enforced on numerous occasions. Even more interesting is that, quote, only one person at a time is authorized to convey tactical instructions from the technical area, end quote. What a weird requirement. It's a good thing LeBron James doesn't play football. If he did, he'd break this law every time he was on the bench. But also, didn't Cristiano Ronaldo break this during the end of the Euro 2016 final? I would have loved to see him sent off for unauthorized tactical instructions just before his country finished lucking into winning a major tournament trophy. In the midst of explaining how the goals work, we get a familiar word again. See if you can spot it. Quote, The goalposts and crossbar must be made of approved material. They must be square, rectangular, round, elliptical, or a combination of these shapes and must not be dangerous. End quote. Again, what is it with this word dangerous? I need someone to explain it to me. Also, can some club that I'm able to watch on TV create elliptically rectangular goals, please? If a crossbar becomes displaced or broken and cannot be repaired, the match must be abandoned. Makes sense. But wait, there's more. Quote, a rope or any flexible or dangerous material may not replace the crossbar. End quote. I'm guessing this is one of those requirements for fifth-tier clubs to keep in mind. Is lower-tier English football dangerous? Methinks yes. All right, here's a section for goal line technology. This law just got interesting. Quote, the indication of whether a goal has been scored must be immediate, (coughs) cough, Sheffield Villa, and automatically confirmed within one second, (coughs) Sheffield Villa, by the GLT system only to the match officials via the referee's watch by vibration and visual signal. I'm picturing a super fancy Apple watch, but after that Sheffield Villa match that kicked off Project Restart, I know that's wrong. Hey, American sports fans, you know those pylon cams, above-the-rim cams, tennis net cams, etc., that show us cool shots of the action? You know why you don't get those in soccer? Quote, Advertising is not permitted on the goals, nets, flag posts, or their flags, and no extraneous equipment, cameras, microphones, etc., may be attached to these items. End quote. It's sad. Crossbar cam feels like another missed opportunity. 
Video operation rooms are the rooms where VARs and their sidekicks do their important VARing. Apparently, it's okay to have that room in or close to the stadium, which leads to this fun requirement. Quote, a player, substitute, substituted player, or team official who enters the video operation room will be sent off. End quote. Can we just call this the Jose Mourinho rule? You know that he would be in that room if it was anywhere near the pitch. The place where the referee goes and looks at the monitor during a match is called the referee review area. This says that any of those same people who enter this area will be cautioned. Does the Premier League keep stats on the number of referee review area yellow cards that are handed out? Consider this my official request for this statistic. Well, that's it. We now know all about the field of play. True, we haven't yet gotten to the really good stuff, but don't worry. We will get there soon.